Up next on Inside the SECA, a new era of professional sports car racing. Hello, everybody. This episode of Inside the SECA is a little bit different. Like last year, I was asked to host a couple of keynote addresses at the SECA National Convention. And this is the first of two that I was able to participate in. I appreciate the opportunity to moderate this event with IMSA President John Doonan, SECA Vice President Eric Krill, talking about the return of GTP, the new U.S. involvement in the Rolex 24, I'm sorry, the uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans, and how SCCA continues to be a critical part of professional motorsports. So let's get right to it. This is our session with John Doonan and Eric Perel. Good evening, everyone. I'm Brian Belansky. This is a keynote session called A New Era of Professional Sports Car Racing. We're on the eve of the 21st, uh, 61st Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, I'm Brian Belansky. Like I said, I am the host of the Inside the SCCA podcast and... I am one of the voices for this year's Super Tour live streams, which we debuted last weekend in Sebring. I hope you all had a chance to enjoy some of that. Joining me this evening is the uh, Vice President of Road Racing, Eric Prill for SCCA, and IMSA's President, John Doonan. Hello, gentlemen. John, it it does not feel like it's been a year since we did this last year. It sure doesn't. Um, Time flies, I guess, when we're all having fun, but also uh, extremely busy, as, as I know so many watching tonight are with their own lives and their SECA programs. And I know Eric and the whole staff at SECA headquarters are as well. So we're, we're three days deep into the convention, and uh, I suspect you have not had a chance to watch very much of it because uh, you, you've been a little busy yourself. It's the roar before the 24 at Daytona. I, I'll, I'll confess, I spent most of today um, on the couch watching that and uh, good, wa- good. Wa- watch the uh, pilot challenge races, the VP challenge races as well. Those were cool. And uh, you, you've been good, though, right? Good good crowds? Uh, outstanding crowds, Brian. Uh, sharing with you and, and Eric, of course, uh, before we opened that absolutely a record crowd at the roar before the 24 uh, now concluded as I look out my office across the street to the speedway, uh, the lights are dimmed except in the garage area, which is open for another uh, 30 minutes or so uh, where their teams are, are in the process now of going into full race prep mode. But we had a magnificent weekend. We had terrific weather. It's rain late in the day in the evening last night, but it didn't dampen about 6,000 boy and Girl Scouts from camping and seeing all the action and absolutely filling the garage area uh, to see what's in store for uh, our sport, uh, certainly endurance sports car racing, but the sport of sports car racing in general is on an, a massive uh, upswing. And I'm, I'm really excited about it, not only for IMSA, but for SCCA and uh, all the fans of, of sports car racing. You might have the coolest office location in all of motorsports, you overlook Daytona Motorsports, uh, Daytona International Speedway, right? I do. Uh, <laughs> as I look out to my left, I see turn three and four of the oval, and uh, it is a very special place. This is called the International Motorsports Center. It houses NASCAR, it houses IMSA, and it houses the staff from the speedway, among many other central functions of the company. 
Um, and it is absolutely uh, the world center of racing. Pretty cool. Eric Pearl is with us also. Eric is uh, not quite in the same luxurious office locale as as John is. Eric, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. I'm uh, I'm sitting in the Topeka office, um, looking out my window. It's dark. I can't really see anything outside right now. Um, uh, based on based on where we are, we don't quite have the same view, but um, definitely uh, uh, excitement of our own going on this week um, of a different kind with. Uh, with convention, a lot of activity going on. Um, what is this? This is our third year with the virtual convention. So um, uh, always interesting. Uh, miss getting together in person with a lot of the folks that we're seeing, but we also know that um, this is the way that we can engage the most people with the club. Um, and uh, and I'm actually really looking forward to joining John in Daytona in a couple of days. I'll be out there on Wednesday um, representing SCCA at the Road Racing Drivers Club uh, function on Wednesday night, which is where uh, they announce and present the Mark Donahue Award, which is uh, given by the club to the top performance at the SCCA runoffs each year. So looking forward to that and looking forward to um, <clears throat> having some meetings in Daytona and then uh, and then also taking in the race a little bit as a fan. So yeah. uh, I can't wait myself. Excellent. Daytona, Topeka, Daytona. To- I-, I get it. It's... <laughs> It's a good good move to get down to Daytona this year. And Eric, I think I know somebody who won that Mark Donahue Award. That's pretty special, isn't it? It is. Um, you know, any any time you win an award uh, or you're honored by uh, by any group of people, it's special. Um, that's a particularly special group to me because uh, the the names that are members of the Road Racing Drivers Club. It's an invitation only group. Is really it's a hu- it's a who's who of motorsports and sports car racing. And for those individuals, for that group to recognize uh, your accomplishment as an amateur racer was, um, it's just something that I'll never forget. And John was actually the presenter of the award for me in, in 2018 for uh, for my win in 2017. So um, I, I know how special that night will be uh, for the uh, for the individual that that's gonna take home that trophy. And I know who it is because I'm gonna be a part of the presentation um, and uh, that news will break, I'm sure, uh, on Thursday. Sounds like fun. Sounds like fun. All right. So uh, for the folks who are watching, um, if you would like to participate, you can certainly add put questions in the chat. Uh, we're going to we've got a little bit of a, a plan here for what we're going to talk about. And if there are questions that are relevant to that discussion, I will sprinkle them in throughout. And uh, at the end, if there are just general questions, we will hopefully have a few minutes to get to some of that at the end as well. So. Let's start with um, this new era of professional sports car racing, John. You guys have something that personally is real exciting to me because I I discovered race cars when IMSA GTP was a thing back in the day. And the Nissan driven by Jeff Brabham with the turbo and the wastegate that went whenever he would let off the gas is the thing it my just thinking about it the hairs on the back of my neck kind of curl up here um and you're bringing back gtp this year we are and and brian you struck a chord and then immediately made the hair stand up on my arms because similar to you and eric and likely many who are with us tonight remember that era um for me it was at road america it was at brainerd it was at mid ohio uh, hearing those same wastegates chirping and uh, seeing the manufacturers that committed 
to the top category, some of the most beautiful race cars, some of the most powerful race cars uh, that that really ignited uh, a passion for uh, the fans of sports car racing, for the manufacturers in sports car racing, and certainly the drivers and teams, you know, the best of the best all came together. And frankly, um, I've said a few times in the last several months, uh, and certainly this week, that if that was the golden era of international and endurance sports car racing, this is going to be the platinum era um, because uh, what has been done, thanks to the vision of Jim France and uh, the huge opportunity I have to execute is the manufacturers have spoken. They've come to the table. They've made commitments. And there are some absolutely stunningly beautiful race cars that have been brought to us from Acura and BMW, now back in the top category, Cadillac, Porsche, now back in the ca top category. And a year from now, uh, there'll be a Lamborghini in the top category. So, um, you know, we have a saying at the office, the market speaks, and they have spoken. They want to bring back uh, that type of passion for the overall victory. And what GTP stood for back then uh, was very similar. I think uh, now bringing the GTP name back certainly harkens to our history, but um, these cars look the part of these brands. They are the ultimate expression of these brands from a design standpoint. And, and I've met the designers who, who clay modeled these cars and designed them uh, in CAD and, and on the computer. And they are like young men and women in a candy store. They, mm -hmm. they are so excited to bring these cars to life and uh, imagine that homework assignment uh, to go design the next generation sports car to go, as we saw in qualifying today, well over 200 miles per hour. So how, how much of this was a if if you build it, they will come situation and how much of it was you going to the manufacturers before deciding to make the change and saying, we're thinking about doing this. How many of you are in? Yeah, great question. I mean, frankly, IMSA is so proud, much like SECA, uh, to have so many manufacturers, in our case, 18, who have committed to race with us and invested in racing with us, whether it's a top category program or a customer racing program where they, you know, they build a car and, and sell and, and support those customers. In this case with GTP, previously we had DPI. I was fortunate to be on both sides of DPI on a, on a manufacturer side and then here at the sanctioning body. And really what GTP is, is DPI 2.0. Um, we gave manufacturers the opportunity to design their own prototype that looked the brand. Uh, in the case of GTP, we opened up some of those design elements, uh, much more design opportunities in the side pods, much more design opportunities in the rear wing, in the tail, in the, in the uh, engine covers than we did previously. Um, we, at the uh, uh, it, it, interest of the OEMs, frankly, um, needed and, and they wanted uh, to talk about sustainability and what we could do to bring uh, a hybrid uh, program. Um, they spoke loudly about us uh, controlling the hybrid from a cost standpoint. Uh, we all know what happens when uh, you let a, a group of manufacturers uh, get into a sport and, and you know he or she with the biggest budget wins. That's definitely not what they wanted and certainly not what we want. And so we brought a common hybrid to the, to the table. Um, I think initially there were 
15 manufacturers that were around the table. Um, we've got four on track now. We've got a fifth committed here in the States. There's a sixth in Europe with Alpine and a Renault's performance brand. So it's a little of both. You know, we, we had a successful platform. This now takes it to a new level uh, with hybrid, with a renewable fuel, and uh, and the manufacturer spoke, the market, the market spoke. How important is it to the health and success of international sports car racing for World Endurance Championship, Le Mans, and IMSA to be kind of all on the same page from a category standpoint so our cars can go there and their cars can come here and and people can play and get involved and be at the biggest and most important races around the world without it i don't think we get to this weekend at the roar i don't think we get to the rolex 24 next weekend and i don't think we get to a place where that many manufacturers commit um it was a must and um I think the fans have asked for it for years. Uh, the manufacturers have asked for it for years to be able to build one car and know that it can compete in, in multiple um, championships, the biggest and best championships in the world. And um, we sat down uh, very shortly after I arrived with Pierre Fion uh, from the ACO, with Richard Meal from the FIA, um, with Mr. France and, and Ed Bennett here in IMSA and basically looked at one another and said, we have to make this work. Uh, certainly folks like Don Panos and Scott Atherton and others um, worked on this before and, and put a lot of time into this. And it was uh, right place, right time, and, and the planets aligned. And I think the biggest beneficiaries of all this are, are the fans uh, of, of sports car racing. And based on what we saw this weekend, I think they're in for a real treat. Eric, when, when there's success at Lamar and all of this success trickles down to Rolex 24, Sebring 12-hour. Does that trickle down to the club? Does the excitement of international sports car racing bring people out to, out to buy some of these cars and possibly come racing with us or go to a track night with their McLaren or their Lambeau? You know, it, it, does you, do you see that trickle down? Yeah, I think there's no question that that – the excitement of world-class racing, um, things that people can take in on TV or through the internet or whatever form of media is their, is their choice. Um, you know, it, it's, it just makes the sport healthy. And anytime there's interest in the sport and there are more race fans, then there are more enthusiasts and there are more people that are interested in potentially coming and either trying it themselves or getting involved in some fashion or um, attending a race and catching the bug. I mean, that's, that's how we all caught the bug, right? I mean, you, you talked about exactly how, um, how we all, uh, you know, watched GTP cars back when we were younger and that really piqued our interest. And, and here we are, you know, a few years later, um, <laughs> uh, not that, not to say how old we or how long we've all been doing this, but, um, that's really how that that's really the hook. That's really the impetus of what can get you involved in it, whether it's as a, a driver or a team member or a, a volunteer um, or a race fan. And yes, and obviously uh, things that we see on the racetrack are things that we become passionate about manufacturers that we see doing the things that we love as race fans and enthusiasts are, are the manufacturers that we will support when it goes, when it comes time to go make a car purchase. 
So, John, there, there's always been American presence in Le Mans. I mean, Ford versus Ferrari, and, you know, it goes back to that, and and it's always exciting to see that happening. But Le Mans has this thing that I don't think a lot of folks understood or knew about until recently, at least here in the States, and that's called Garage 56. And there's some crazy talk about a NASCAR car going to Garage 56. And I got to tell you, when I first heard this, I am I I, I, I like the NASCAR stuff. I'm, I'm a Le Mans freak. And I'm thinking to myself, a, a NASCAR cup car in Garage 56? How did that come about? Well, um, before I talk about it, I, I have to assure all my SECA fellow members um, that it's it's a really, really special deal, and I am so honored to be part of it. Um, but in 1976, Bill France Sr., uh, Jim France, who's our chairman and, and my boss, um, took two NASCAR stock cars to Le Mans with the intention of putting them on an international stage, putting NASCAR on international stage. Uh, clearly here in the, in the U.S. at that time, NASCAR was just getting rolling uh, into the, probably the heart of its history, I would suggest. And Jim wanted to recreate that. Uh, what an ideal time to do it with the next generation next, uh, NASCAR uh, cup car. And the NASCAR cup car of today uh, couldn't be more like the GT cars that ran all weekend across the street. Um, it is very much um, like a, a car that runs in GTD or GTD Pro for us. Um, very simple things like the center lock lugs and, and all of that from a technology span standpoint, the car is far more advanced. And so Jim wanted to recreate that. He wanted to recreate it with the winningest brand in NASCAR history, which is Chevrolet. So it's, it's going to be a Camaro. Uh, it's going to roll around on Goodyear tires, NASCAR's tire partner since 1954, and it's going to be operated. Uh, and I've had such a pleasure to work with them uh, by Rick Hendrick's uh, uh, championship winning team, the most uh, and winningest uh, team in NASCAR history. So uh, we are going to take it over there. We are after the Rolex ends a, a week from tonight. I'll have 24 hours to uh, get some rest because we're going to test it here. Uh, for the first time with real headlights on it um, and real taillights on it soon after. Uh, but it's going to be a great project. And I think the excitement of um, the sound of that car will really resonate with the uh, audience at Le Mans. They're very passionate fans. And uh, my hope is that uh, sports car racing fans uh, see that and understand um, really how cool uh, NASCAR stock car today is. And also in the same manner, um, the NASCAR stock car fans who are incredibly passionate may get a taste of sports car racing um, like they never have before. For those who don't know, the, the entry at Le Mans capped at 56, and it's not because you couldn't put more than 56 cars on an eight-and-a-half-mile racetrack. It's because they literally have 56 garages. So yeah, that's exactly. why Garage 56 is that special spot where they put the, the experimental cars. And if you also remember back, if you're you know sports car fans, the, the Delta Wing was a Garage 56 entry. Um, so there's a lot of history of American cars taking that 56, that Garage 56 position, right? That's exactly right. Um, last year, a LMP2 car that was driven by uh, three uh, handicapped gentlemen with hand controls was the Garage 56. So it's a 
it's an innovation garage. It's a, it's a garage that, that presents something different, a different platform. So we won't be running in, in a particular class. We'll be running against the clock like everybody else, trying to make it to the end of the race. We've done a lot of testing. And uh, next Saturday, the 28th, uh, right before we throw the green flag of the Rolex, uh, we're going to announce the driver lineup. And much like the Donahue Award winner, I know who they are, and I'm so excited and can't <laughs> wait to get that news out as well. Uh, no, no hints, no, no. John, John, it's just us. You can, you can tell. Yeah, know, well, no you one's, know, Eric, no one's paying Eric, attention. Eric, Eric sold his championship-winning car, so you know I can't hint anything about why, but. You know, you never know. Oh, uh, now I know why he's going to Daytona. <laughs> Very nice. But, you know, you know, Brian, uh, you mentioned something earlier that, that resonated with me and, and does what we're doing in, in top-level sports car racing trickle down. And, you know, two things. What happened across the street this weekend does not happen without SECA. Period. The end. The amount of corner marshals that were staffing the Daytona International Speedway this weekend helped us execute this event. And without them, no chance we'd throw a green flag on Friday morning for the first session. It just doesn't happen. Um, the number of folks that are, are in our race control that have had SECA experience, the folks that are uh, working in timing and scoring tech, this is absolutely why three years ago, it's hard to believe, Eric, we sat in the infield, uh, you, Mike Cobb, and I, and talked about needing to be partners um, on this project uh, relative to the next generation. And, and so um, I'll second what Eric said. There's no question that it doesn't happen without SCCA, and, and it does, I think, all help the sport in general. So we're three years into that partnership. W what are... What has changed over the three years? Because, you know, I, I've been going to corner marshal IMSA races for for two decades, and it was there, and and I've always felt really welcome when I go to those races. So, so what is the 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 additional uh, activation with that partnership that we see now? Well, I'll I'll, I'll jump in first here, um, and and I will say that we're entering a phase of this partnership. So, so we got together. I think that when John and, and Mike and I sat down, um, it seemed very obvious for us to, to kind of work together and figure out a way to address concerns that I think the entire industry has about um, making sure we have enough people that can put these events on uh, and put them on at the, at the highest levels possible. Um, we always need a constant new influx of people, you know, the next generation of people. That's not that we're pushing the current generation out at all. It's just that we have to constantly be thinking about the future. And so when we got together and we started talking about that, it was really sort of undefined. And after the last couple of years of, of working together and, and thinking about it, and of course, um, working through the challenges, because I think um, that was at the Rolex 2020, and I think we all we all know what 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 Six weeks later what we what we dealt with uh, weeks and months later sure. and, and and for years later. Um, really, where we are now, I think, is IMSA has such a voice and such a reach um, to fans and enthusiasts. And what we really need to do as an SCCA 
is find the way to connect dots to get the people that want to be involved and have them with a path that can get them involved, whatever it is they want to do. And the first step that we're taking, um, and I'm happy to say, and you've, you've heard, uh, if anybody tuned into the, to the, um, to Mike's sessions, to the road racing session, um, we're working within our learning management system, the SCCA Academy, um, for new online training uh, assets and courses and certifications. And we're going to be rolling these out here in the next month, uh, starting with flagging and communications. Obviously, we need more flaggers. We need more marshals than anything. Um, not just SCCA, IMSA needs it, everybody, the entire motorsports industry needs it in this country. So working together with IMSA and being able to, uh, to have exposure through IMSA for SCCA and how people can get involved and then having the next steps, um, it really, it, it shone a light that we did not have a real clear and obvious path of when we had a perspective worker or a potential member that that wants to get out and do things and be active and be involved. And we now have those next steps. We have the training. We're going to be bringing on a new position here in the office that will almost be um, a concierge type uh, position that, that can take these leads and these prospects that have come into us through IMSA by, by watching SCCA workers doing their thing at an IMSA event. And we can actually connect them with training opportunities and with opportunities to go out and be a part of events on any given weekend at an SCCA event. I would also add that many people may not know that, you know, we, the club services, the IMSA events with workers. And, but also if, if a member who is a, a corner marshal wants to go overseas to uh, Le Mans or any of the World Endurance Championship or Formula One races, taking the steps through the SCCA to get your license and to get trained through the SCCA, you are welcome with open arms when you go overseas. We have a contingent, I know, from Milwaukee that goes to Le Mans every year to flag, and um, and, and it's not hard to do if you want to do it. And that's a, something that wouldn't be probably there without our partnership with IMSA, right, John? A hundred percent. And then last year I was standing on the front straight at Le Mans after qualifying and all of the marshals uh, had come in from the corners and, and were uh, lining the side of the, the track. And I engaged with a lot of them. They were not necessarily workers that had traveled uh, from the U.S., but uh, they talked about the same in exchange. You know, they, they want to come here and um, there's, there's enough events. Uh, you talk about the Super Tour events that just happened here in Florida. They could come and, and participate in one of those while they're coming to work at the, the Rolex 24. So I think there's a lot of convergence that's possible there. You know, the other thing for me, besides, you know, the, the training modules that, that Eric and I and, and Mike and I have talked about that we really want to push forward. Um, for me, the other thing that this has done, and I've had the opportunity uh, last June at the June sprints and then a few other weekends to go out and, and work with Porner myself and, the feedback from the SECA marshals about experience at an IMSA event that I can help uh, be a catalyst of positive change. I want to hear those things because I, 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 from the heart, there's no chance we can run our events, not just here at Daytona, but any of the other ones uh, throughout the season without um, marshals and staff 
from SECA and uh, gotten some good feedback from existing marshals about, you know, why this, why that, could we do this? And, and uh, I want to be part of making sure that the experience that anyone from SECA has at an IMSA event uh, is nothing but positive. And, and perhaps they themselves, to your point, Brian, want to go uh, overseas or, or work a, a major IMSA race that they haven't yet done. You know, they say if it's not on Insta, it doesn't. It didn't happen. I, I've seen photo evidence of you and Mike Cobb flagging at the June sprints. Yeah, how, uh, it is. How it is, is that? True. It was awesome. Um, we have a turn three group that I think uh, we'll we'll be forever friends. It was a beautiful day. Um, the sad part was um, I I worked a bunch of sessions, but not all of them because my dog on phone never stops ringing. So. I was instructed to leave my cell phone home next time. So uh, <laughs> when you see me on a corner next time, uh, I'll have to lock my hotel room or my phone in the hotel room and and not bring it to the track. But it was an awesome experience. And I, I told Mike and, and Tiffany and the others on the corner that I, uh, you know, I had not had that much fun in a racetrack in a long time. And, um, you know, these weekends are awesome. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Rolex is historic. And it's going to be amazing next weekend. But uh, being able to go back uh, to my roots, uh, to SECA, and, and participate like that was uh, it was fantastic. And uh, I hope to do it again real soon. I got my whites uh, that weekend, and uh, I'll, I hope to wear them real soon. Don Drennan uh, puts in the questions, uh, a contingent from North Carolina is going to Lamar this year, and they're going to document the trip. He says an SECA license is the golden ticket to participate. Uh, also, just mentioning the uh, the training modules that Eric was, Don and I did a podcast on that. Uh, we talked a little bit about it in a podcast, uh, the Flagger 101 podcast. Uh, so uh, check that out as well. Um, you know, John, there, there's another component where the club and IMSA cross paths. And this one, I'm sure, is near and dear to your heart with your background with, with Mazda prior to going to IMSA. And that's the MX-5 Cup Series. And yep. how a lot of our spec Miata drivers, you know, graduate to that or do that in addition to their spec Miatas. How, how important is that series to what IMSA does on a on a IMSA weekend? Well, second uh, opportunity for my hair to stand up on my arms. <laughs> uh, that series uh, means a great deal to me. And, you know, besides the marshals, which I frankly think is the foundational part of our relationship, there's certainly drivers, mechanics, engineers, team owners that have a vision of growing their involvement in the sport to a professional level. Um, but, you know, to, to arrive at IMSA and to know that MX-5 Cup as a series was available, I went right to Mr. France and said, we need to grab this. And he now sets his schedule of attending a lot of our races based on when the MX-5 Cup is on track because like Spec Miata and like you know, Spec Racer Ford and, and so many other great classes in SCCA. The racing is absolutely bonkers and, and uh, puts on an amazing show. But, you know, you look at the number of drivers in the entry list of the Rolex 24 and names like Patrick Gallagher jump out. Now, take Patrick Gallagher, uh, you know, an open wheel champion at the runoffs in SCCA, um, moves on to a fender car career, um, becomes an MX-5 Cup champion. Um, now is in been in, in Michelin Pilot Challenge, a race winner many times. Now has got a full season in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So that's one example of many drivers that are here uh, over these 10 days competing that got their start 
uh, in SCCA. And I do not take that for granted. I think uh, uh, an SCCA driver school, the proper to coaching and teaching uh, in SCCA prepares them for uh, highest levels of competition. And I would put, uh, and I told a, a lot of the guys and, and gals in, in MX5 Cup at the time, because the racing is so intense, because racecraft and you know where you want to be uh, in, in terms of car positioning and on the last lap and the draft and all those things, um, I would put them toe to toe with some of the best in the world. And now they're getting the chance to be toe to toe with them. So uh, I know I know Eric can relate to that um, as a multi-time national champion. It's it's an SECA is a tremendous uh, training ground um, for the next generation of so many different disciplines, and driving's one of them. Yeah, you know, when, when you think about going pro and the pressure when you do, even, even at your entry-level pro series like the, like the MX-5 Cup, you need to have the opportunity to hone your craft at some place where there's a little bit less pressure. And I think that, you know, starting out at a regional level and, you know, you talk, you talk about Patrick, you know, Patrick being a second-generation SCCA racer, you know, is, is – his yeah. dad, uh, a, a production car racer, and then and then Patrick coming up through go karts and getting into Formula Five Hundred, and and um, just being able to <clears throat> to take the time to hone your craft when the pressure is not so tremendously high, um, and when you do get that opportunity to potentially move up, whether it's through a manufacturer ladder program or or some other fashion you're a little bit more prepared. Um, you know, I look at um, Trent Hinman and the, you know, the sheer amount of racing that he did in club racing in a very short period of time, but he really cut his teeth there and, and learned his racecraft. And, you know, he's, he's been very successful within IMSA. Yeah. Um, Robbie Foley coming out of, you know, junior carts in, in solo and uh, yeah. just having that opportunity in a lower pressure environment. And obviously you can put as much pressure on you as you want. You can go and fight for championships. And, and obviously when I think when you're young and you're enthusiastic and you want to be a professional race car driver, there is this feeling that you must win at every level and you have to win every corner of every lap. Um, but this environment and, the, and our graduated program where you can start out in, in lower pressure events and, and move into a little bit higher pressure competition and up through our national championships. Um, I think that that's just such a great path to, to generate. And, you know, we were, we, we were talking earlier, uh, just sharing some emails and just, I looked through the entry list and everybody that's been a part of SCCA that's just in the Rolex and that doesn't even count the, you know, the pilot series. And, um, it, it really is amazing, not just in coming through our pro racing series, but, that have come through the club as well. Yeah. Anybody staying up to watch the whole 24 hours, if you, you need something to keep you awake in the middle of the night is, you know, Google Andy Lolly, yeah. SCCA, Google Matt and Hugh Plum, SCCA, and you're going to find their SCCA record and their SCCA history. And uh, that's, that's for me, complete fulfillment when you see someone that's gone all the way from, that grassroots level to becoming a multi-time race winner or champion or Lamal winner and certainly Daytona and Sebring or petite Lamal winner. I, I got a little chuckle today or yesterday when I was watching the VP racing 
uh, sports car challenge session. And they said, one of the reasons you created that was to give people a chance to do some multi-class racing. And I'm like, they should just come and race with us at the SCCA. I'll, I'll give them a great old, a great little tutorial for that. Yeah. That's a fun little series, 45 minute sprint races. We're yeah. excited about that. And, you know, president of Ford Motor Company, Jim Farley raced both days uh, yesterday and today, you know, is uh, it's a, it's a great opportunity for people to dip their toe in the water at uh, relative low cost without pit stops and co-drivers and all that stuff. So what's on, what's exciting on the horizon, John, what, what, what can you tease us with? Well, uh, there's no doubt that this week is going to be a a historic one for us as we uh, prepare and and execute the 61st running of the Rolex 24. Very excited about that. We've got a tremendous season ahead. um, Of course, with Sebring and and out to Long Beach and WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Uh, We're going to, of course, run the six hour in the middle of the year up at Watkins Glen. Uh, the Salem six hour. We're going to go to um, Lime Rock. We're going to go to Canadian Tire. We're going to go to Road America. And then uh, for the first time in many, many years, um, like the runoffs have been in in recent years, we're going to be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in September, which is very exciting. And that Michelin Pilot uh, race on Saturday night is going to be excellent. It's going to go from daylight into darkness, which is uh, a little bit of a a test run, if you will, because we plan to run a longer daylight into darkness uh, weather tech series race there in, in the ensuing years. So that's going to be awesome. Um, very excited, of course, uh, about Lamar and then finishing the season at um, Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. And, uh, you know, you look to 24, you have Lamborghini coming, as I mentioned earlier, but now Ford's going to be back in GT racing with a factory Mustang and customer cars there. And I just think for the entire sport, not just IMSA, but for SECA, for IMSA, and, and many of the other sanctioning bodies, our sport is currently on a tremendous trajectory. And I think it's incumbent on all of us, uh, those of us who get to do it day to day as as our living, and, and all of uh, the folks watching tonight and the SECA membership, um, to, to tell friends, to invite them to a track night in America, to get them out to a regional, as Eric said, or get them out to a solo event, and, and give them a taste um, because we have this moment in history and moment in time, not just in our side of the sport, but in the whole entire sport where we can really take advantage of it and, and affect growth. And I know that's what Eric and Mike and Deanna and everybody at SCCA want. Um, and I certainly know that that's what we want here uh, to make sure that we sustain uh, what has been such a passion point for so many for years. And I think those who, get a taste of it. Um, I think it, it's an easy hook, uh, pretty early. Eric, is there anything else you wanted us to touch on before I launch into, we got some questions from the, from the chat and everything. So is there any other topics here before I start launching into some of these questions? No, I think let's go ahead and get to the questions. All right. So let's go here. Um, Trevor Hermans asks, um, talking about the SECA licensing and going to work other events, uh, obviously, we've got this great partnership with SECA, but he mentions that some promoters and tracks don't trust or cooperate always the SECA uh, as far as our workers go. And, and he asked, what can you do possibly, John, to help reinforce that throughout the industry uh, that utilizing our our force of workers is a good thing to do? Well, um, you know, from my standpoint, um, 
Eric and Mike and I have talked about it. I think we need to feature uh, those workers more and more and capture their experience and why it's so meaningful for them to um, be able to be at a, a world um, level, um, whether it's, you know, IMSA at the 12 hour or the World Endurance Championship or a number of other events around the United States. Uh, for our championship season, we need to tell those stories. So I think that's uh, that's incumbent on us. And I know Eric and, and the team at SECA have done a great job of, of uh, introducing SECA membership into IMSA. So, you know, from my standpoint, um, we need we need to tell the stories more, uh, as I said a few moments ago. And I think from a, a licensing standpoint, Eric can talk a little bit about what's required to just even give it a try if you want to taste it. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of piggybacking onto that, we've got a really interesting opportunity in 2023 where we have five world championship events that are happening on U.S. soil. You know, we're going to have three Formula One events. We're going to have uh, Formula E at Portland. We're going to have the WAC race. Um, and in order for those to be FIA international events, there is a certain standard and level of, of uh of licensure or experience required. And, you know, you mentioned the international flaggers and uh, marshals coming over um, just as if someone wants to go from the States to an international event, they come through uh, one of the FIA um, sanctioning bodies. There are six of us. IMSA is one of them. SCCA is one of them. USAC, NASCAR, um, IndyCar and, and NHRA are the other members of, of what's known as ACUS. Mm -hmm. And in order to work an international event, you need to be, um, you need to get a letter from your club that says one, you're, you know, you're licensed, you have the appropriate experience and training to go over. And, and interestingly enough that we don't object to someone going and working an international event and that reciprocates coming back. But at the same time, uh, to work an event domestically, so here in the United States, there is a certain level of expectation of training. And um, it's interesting, just just uh, a week ago, um, as I was in Sebring, um, we had some discussions with some of our other partners um, at ACUS just about how we were going to uh, work with the international, the um, world championship events that are coming here. And this is actually an opportunity. It's a great opportunity for us, people that want to become involved in these events here in the United States, just like our partnership with IMSA, you know, there's a tr tremendous amount of people that watch Formula One and, and are interested in that and um, having three events and, you know, kind of one in the East, one in the middle of the country and one out toward the West. And just those opportunities to get involved, they're going to have to, uh, people are going to have to come through one of the member clubs and SCCA is, is by far uh, the leader uh, in training people to do, um, to do the, uh, the things that, that are required to become marshals at these events. So um, just, yes, there is licensure, there's accreditation, there's certification. Um, and I saw that somebody else had asked a question about, you know, don't we, don't we do a good enough tra job training uh, people, on site. And yes, we do. Absolutely. Uh, but it's not entirely consistent across the country, which is why we want to capture that. And we work with Don Drennan um, to take to, you know, to help us build that visual curriculum that people can go through 
um, to get that first, uh, those first requirements and the prerequisites to un uh, understanding what it takes to be a marshal before you get out there on the corner and pick up the flags. Um, if you have questions, put them in the Q&A portion of the webinar. That's the easiest way to get them to me so I can ask them. Um, Sam Shaw asks, and I'll actually answer this one, are there opportunities to work in a pro race in other capacities other than just corner workers and course marshals? If so, how? Yes, the answer to that question is yes. Um, depends on the race, depends on the region. Uh, contact the regions uh, that are, are dealing with the workers for a particular race. I know, for instance, uh, at Long Beach uh, uh, Cal Club, uh, provides a lot of the uh, the folks who work on pit lane and hold the fire extinguishers, you know. So there's opportunities for kind of an emergency services and there's support uh, uh, positions to help out and make sure that the corner workers and course mar course marshals are are uh, taken care of throughout the weekend. So there are other opportunities yeah. besides just course working. I did that at um, at the Formula E event in in Brooklyn. I actually was there at 4 a.m. every day. Um, loading loading fire bottles and, and lunches into trucks and delivering things and delivering corner workers and i had a great time doing that you know um, met a lot of great people and you know part of a new team and uh, and that was fun so yeah there's lots of opportunities yeah so so if you want to go to any of those races contact the local region and uh, they will connect you with whoever is uh, coordinating the workers for those races um moving on um how does one get the letter of approval to work at the international level? Um, Eric, yeah, do you want to so, do that or do you want me to take yeah, it? Yeah, so they can um, they can just reach out to us if you're licensed through SCCA for, for the specialty that you'd like to do internationally. Um, you can start with us. Just uh, You can call our office or email roadracing at scca.com and we can help jumpstart that process through ACUS. So... John, this is an interesting question, and I, I, I ask it with trepidation because I know how tight your race weekends are, and I know how hard it is to manage an idea like this. But, you know, we're talking big ideas, so I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Uh, Adam Wright asks, would IMSA be interested in including track night in America in their event weekends to fill dead time on track as well as offering an amazing fan experience? Maybe on a Saturday night after the big racing is over might be an opportunity to do something like that, John? Well, I love the idea. No one's ever asked that before. So thank you for, for putting that out there. Um, I think our actual weekends themselves are a little tricky. Um, even after the uh, racing ends, uh, the track has got track prep overnight and things like that a lot of times. But I will say this, and I think, uh, Eric, this is a, a to-do assignment perhaps after this, is to talk about how we could potentially bookend um, you know, on the front or the back, one of our, our event weekends, um, where it's a buildup to, uh, staying for the weekend or the excitement of maybe coming for, uh, the, the feature show on a particular Saturday or Sunday and staying over. Uh, that's something we ought to think about and, and talk to the promoters about, uh, relative to capturing, you know, the opportunity, you know, there's, there's a focus on a, particular market when we come in town why not try to take advantage of that so um you have my commitment to to do a little more research on how we could do that i think that's a tremendous idea love it yeah we we talked about this last year john and ben tyler asks the question again he says every imsa event i've attended has a vendor village area set up for spectators can imsa help get local regions access and space to set up recruitment booths at each imsa event i know we talked about this last year 
Has there been any uh, movement on making that easier for regions to do something like that? Well, I can assure you there's been discussions. Uh, Eric and, and Mike and I talked about that on a couple occasions since last year. Um, you know, I know for sure at tracks that, that, that we have the opportunity to have in our portfolio, like Sebring, like Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, uh, perhaps like Watkins Glen, it's a, it's a no-brainer for us. Um, I think uh, I've been over to the St. Petersburg, Petersburg Grand Prix and, and seen the local region. So I'm a huge advocate. Um, and I suspect uh, a place like Road America and a few others uh, would be ideal locations for that. So uh, similar to the idea of a track night, um, I'll make sure that uh, for sure over the, the course of the 23 season that we uh, give the uh, regions an opportunity to tell their story. So, so just to, to go a little deeper into that, is that harder for you guys to, to help with at a track that you don't own, like a VIR or a Road America? You know, candidly, it's my, my comment may have made it sound like that. I, I don't think so, okay. because, you know, Connie and Kerrigan at VIR obviously host the runoffs uh, for many years uh, and um, places, all the other places we race uh, need uh, corner marshals um, on a regular basis, not only for SCCA events, for things that happen in the middle of the week. So uh, I think it's a probably a, a recruiting tool that they could take advantage uh, of well um, at, at some of the major events. So I, I don't think it's as difficult perhaps as I might've make it sound. Um, you're off the hook, by the way. Tiffany just uh -oh. chimed in and said that uh, sh she thinks that you were on the phone at Road America because you might have been working on a really big project about a, uh, a a car going to an international race, possibly in France. Yeah, yeah, she's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to take a call with Chad Knaus and uh, Mr. Hendrick, and so I sat in my car for one of the sessions. So I owe them about, uh, I don't know, four or five practice sessions. Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So um, I'm trying to just uh, work through these questions because now now they're coming in fast and furious. Dick Petulo, uh, one of the stalwarts of the Northeast, uh, says that they've had a track that America on the load in day at Lime Rock. So that's a good idea, right? Tremendous idea. And uh, I, the more I think about that one, the more excited I get um, because I think uh, our teams seeing that. Uh, shows um, all of our stakeholders that we're trying to generate uh, the next generation. And uh, in a similar manner, I think it's a great opportunity to, to show potential SCCA participants um, the pathway um, from entry level or grassroots all the way to the top. Lynn Hunting um, suggests some more ways to possibly feature our workers on your events. And, and I know you don't you know, you don't tell NBC or Peacock how to do their jobs. Uh, being in television, I know how cranky I can get when people ask me to do, do it, do my job a different way. But is there a way to to work with the production team at Peacock or NBC and and get them to possibly do a feature type story on? I mean, twenty four hours is a lot of time to fill at a Rolex. Uh, there should yeah. be some time to to do a little bit of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, that's what I was getting at earlier. I think we have a really <laughs> awesome opportunity to introduce uh, our uh, our corner workers SCCA corner workers to uh, a water a broader audience and anyone that watched our uh, first episode of win the weekend which is our new docu series um, there was a SCCA worker 
uh, interviewed during that, uh, explaining uh, what happened on one of the test days at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta with the GTP car. So um, the more that we can weave that in, the better it is for all of us. Good stuff. Um, let's see. Watkins Glen partnering with SCCA for IMS events would be a good start. The facility is currently works exclusively uh, with some other folks. Well, hopefully we can open them up to work, work with us a little bit more. Right, John? Yeah, no question. I think a few years ago um, when we was battling through the uh, we were all battling, battling through the pandemic. We, we did exactly that. And I called Eric and Mike right away and said, Hey, we are, tr we have a tricky situation with our, our schedule. You know, can we work with the local region? They introduced me to the, the RE and uh, we found a way to make it work. And uh, I'd like to reciprocate that uh, any chance we get um, to engage uh, with a local region or uh, a local uh area to make sure that we're doing our part as well all right i think we're i've gotten through all of the questions here uh from the chat um before i i have one last comment that i'll read at the end um john do you have any final thoughts before uh before we head on out no just uh i have to be very frank you know there's no chance that i have the opportunity to do what i do uh, here at IMSA now without the experiences I gained uh, throughout my time as a SECA member, which will come up on uh, 30 years uh, officially this fall. I grew up around it, but I wasn't an official member in, until 1993. And um, there's no chance I have the opportunity to get to where I have these experiences today without the SECA. And I hold that dear. Um, I don't forget it. I never will forget it. Um, and I'm really, really proud um, to be able to maybe bring some of those learnings and how uh, my colleagues and I execute uh, IMSA. And if, if for those who know the history of IMSA, you know, it was founded by Bill France Sr. and a gentleman named John Bishop. And John had a long career at SCCA prior to helping mm -hmm. establish IMSA. And uh, I like to think in, in some way, shape, or form that um, maybe I, I had a similar path of, of getting the proper training of how to execute safe and successful motorsports events um, in, in a variety of levels and then be able to do it in what is uh, maybe the top level of sports car racing, certainly in North America. And uh, I'm a little biased, but I think the world. And so... <laughs> I'm really grateful to the SECA for all that it has done for me in my career. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a family sport. It always will be. And I'm really proud to have SECA part of our IMSA family. And I think Eric, uh, Mike, and, and, and those uh, on the team in Topeka feel the same. Eric, any thoughts from you as we get ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Um, I, it's tough to follow that John. Um, and, and, Truly just thank you for, for your leadership and continued partnership and friendship um, within this sport. We've known each other a long time, um, <clears throat> been doing this in, in, on different levels. And uh, just, uh, you know, it is so amazing to be able to sit with you the week of the Rolex 24. And, and I know it's getting late and I'm sure you haven't had a long day at all today <laughs> whatsoever. And you didn't have night practice and, and then things and things like that to deal with. But um, just so appreciative of you 
and and uh, and IMSA, and so excited about your season that's starting, and um, and just thrilled that we can continue to be a part of it and work together on behalf of the motorsports community. Glad to do it, and and I'll make the time any time I can for the SCCA. And um, again, tremendous uh, experiences in the past. Hopefully, uh, can help continue to grow that as we identify the next generation of participants. And I think the good place to leave this is uh, our last thought will come from Mike Cobb, our president and CEO. Thanks you, John, uh, for doing such a great job of representing the club and, and, and U.S. motorsports in general. And uh, he says that we are better because of you. So uh, that is from Mike. He signs it hashtag term three dream team member. So hundred percent correct. Um, <laughs> not sure there's ever been a, a turn three dream team, but uh, there was one established in June of 2022 and it will live on. And uh, hopefully we can have a reunion next June uh, in that same corner. Uh, if I can get back from Lamar in time. Who do I have to bribe to get on turn three at road America? This sounds like this, this sounds like it's, it's turn 10 at Sebring lore ish. Yeah. It's, it's a special group. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to have to interview for that. <laughs> I, I don't know that I have the proper credentials, but uh, I'll see what I can do. Gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great to see you both. Uh, and uh, Eric, we'll see you here in Daytona in a few days. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, Good night, everyone. everybody. You, thank you all for being here. I would do a big convention tease, but since you're all here, you know how to find the sessions. Uh, this uh, session you'll be able to watch again eventually on the uh, the website as well. And it'll also be uh, our podcast this week for Inside the SCCA. And I uh, want to thank everybody for joining us here. My light just went out. Perfect timing. Could not have been better. And uh, for John Doonan, Eric Krill, I'm Brian Belansky. You guys have a great evening. And uh, we will do this again on Tuesday night. Take care, everybody. I'm Abby Shear, And when I'm on my way to an autocross, I listen to the Inside the SCCA podcast. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.